kick off your boots and put down your hunting knife. It's time for the Outdoor Man Podcast with the man himself, Outdoor Man Dan. Join us for fun stories, useful how-tos, and insights into what being an outdoorsman means today and what it may mean in the future. From ethical hunting and conservation to new stories to tell around the fire. Let's get into today's show with your host, Outdoor Man Dan. So, this week's episode is with Zoltan. That makes me laugh when I say his name every time. Um, uh, Zoltan's a friend who I met over Instagram, actually. And then we sort of just hit it off, really. He's like a bit like a gay, a bit like gay lovers. Um, so, this week's episode is all about rabbiting, um, sort of a bit of the tools of the trade, and that sort of thing, and, and Zoltan's life through it, and quite frankly, how he got his name Zoltan, that's got to be answered, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> before we jump in, this week's sponsors are, is Sell Your Shooting. Sam will literally sell you anything, I think including his mother, so if you're looking for something a bit different, or you can't quite find what you want, speak to Sam, and he'll square you away. And failing that, the other sponsor who always looks after me, so I look after them, is V Tactical. Now, V Tactical make all tailor-made kit for for the army in bits and pieces, but more than that, they make bespoke stuff. So for me, I've got some rain jackets made by them, um, I've gun slips made by them, and they always like a challenge. So hit them up and um, pester them. Mention my name, and you might even get some discount, or it might turn up on time. Who knows? So, yeah, let's um, jump straight in. Cool. Thank you for doing this, mate. Yeah, that's right, any time. I've been struggling for guests, so I thought I'd ask you. <laughs> I thought you were scraping the barrel. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, um, no, it's good. And we've, we've spoke quite a bit about various bits and pieces, and I thought, well, we'll um, do an episode, because you've, you've got a lot to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, from my background, it's always been lurchers, um, and I got into it because, like a lot of children, um, they wanted to do what their parents are doing. I mean, you've done the gamekeeping stuff, so you know that being in that world, you kind of, for me, it was like I saw Dad doing it, and I wanted to be with Dad. I'd go out, I'd ask Mum, 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 can I do this? Can I go with Dad? And he's like, well, ask your Dad. But no, he says no a lot. <laughs> so mum would always ask him when I was older. But before then, I'd see my dad. I was born into the world. Dad was always had lurchers um, from where I was born. That's one of the reasons I have the name I have. Because um, dad walked out of the video shop, saw it on a video, and went, oh, it'd be a good name to name the dog. And I came before the next dog did. <laughs> so there we go. I got... A really weird name and growing up in Yorkshire I had ginger hair I was slightly overweight and I had a weird name I didn't have the best start in life <laughs> so um, yeah, so as we were growing up dad I was about four when I skinned my first rabbit my uncle was saying to me once so I, I and there's photos of me eating out of the dog bowls so I've always been around the dogs um, and the I grew up with it and I wanted to be with dad and, and it's difficult to explain unless you see that type of passion in people and you people tend to levitate towards those people who are really enthusiastic his thirst for knowledge was un, unfathomable at the time I mean like I was a growing child 
and I hated school and that. And my dad was like reading books. He was learning to tie nets. Um, he was always talking about his dog obedience. And there was a guy in Mexbra. Dog obedience. I'd yeah. make your dad's dogs. <laughs> yeah, obviously <laughs> things have happened since then. And uh, my wife will be a testament to that. But they're, they're, they're all right. They're, I mean, he, he, when I was growing up, I mean, we had a, a border collie. And she was a craft standard obedience level. Um, but you, you don't do that sort of thing. And, and things then tail off and and they still come to the whistle it's more than most walking out on the yeah. roads and stuff Bloody so, but i mean his thirst for knowledge i mean like i said there was a guy in mexborough uh, called dave slight or dave slate <clears throat> dad used to be part of the doncaster and district lurcher club with him and he used to win all the uh, obedience competitions and then people used to say to me when i'd left the military oh um, an obedience champion doesn't mean he can work in the field but Dave's dogs, my dad said, oh, they went up to Scotland, and they'd be none better. He'd have that working partnership with them. He'd say, sit, wait, and he'd sit, wait. But they weren't sterilised dogs. They were, I mean, I've seen gun dogs, and you say, sit and wait, and they sit and wait until the cows come home. And you come back 28 hours later, and it's still sat in the same field. Yeah, my dog, like, No. <laughs> But his dogs, they, they were obedient, until, but they still knew the tricks of the trade. If a rabbit bolted and there weren't any net, it'd be after it and it'd pick it up, retrieve it back to him, regardless of where he was. And it was the passion that Dad and the enthusiasm that he had for it, and, it was, it, and it's been ingrained in me. And I've then grown up, I joined the army, I did 17 years in the army, um, and I think that was my downfall for my, not from the permissions I have, because when you're away a lot, you don't tend to sit in one location and you can't get the permissions because you can't... You're there 10 minutes, aren't you? You're there 10 minutes and then you're back again. You don't know when you're coming back, so you can't give the landowner the requirements he wants and you'll get bored of that and then your name will be mud throughout the area that you're trying to get permissions on. He's like, oh, he's got permission from me. Oh, he's asked me for permission, but I've not seen him in two years. And that's no fault of my own. So it was a little bit, do I get some permission and explain it to him? So I never really had any permission coming through the military until I got out. And then I got quite a few bits, but it was a case of you walk up, and I used to do it, shirt and tie, lurcher in one hand, and it's like, can I? No, go away, go off my land. I was like, but you don't know what I'm asking. Yeah, you want to get rabbits, didn't you? It's like, most pikies do. Okay, so you try and be the yeah. gent and stuff and try and look professional. I've got various qualifications because I've always got told no. So when you walk up to somebody, you want to go and mitigate all those questions. And I found that even with the qualifications and the experience, People look at you as lurcher folk and go, no, and that's outside and inside the hunting world. Yeah. I mean, when I first got on Instagram a couple of years ago, I was listening to a lot of podcasts while How I Met You, because I'm a gardener now by trade, so on the headphones went, podcast, brilliant, hunting, shooting, whatever, and I'd hoe the garden, mow, and, and all of that. And I heard one, and she was a woman in a, the gun dog fraternity, and she was really good, but... She said she was coming up, and the whole thing was about um, prejudice. So 
So she was getting a lot of prejudice by women and uh, by men on the gun line and stuff and saying, oh, women can't do this and all of that. And her throwaway comment from the thing and nobody else picked up apart from me was, yeah, I'm not like, um, I, they're not like lurchers, which shouldn't be on the gun line anyway. And I jumped on that and she gave me, a, and I said, look, you can't, throw prejudice about being a woman and then give prejudice back in the same hand or in the same sentence that's saying so it's one or the other and she apologized but not publicly she yeah, apo- yeah. apologized behind the scenes and stuff yeah, it's funny you should mention that so my old boss my, my underkeeper and he's the one who sort of taught me how to to kill things right um dad was very good at teaching me the right way and then I was corrupted when I went off to do my apprenticeship. And he, my head keeper had a terrier. Um, he, he always told me these stories. I was, I was n- never privy to seeing it. But this terrier had been beaten all day, retrieved ducks off water, yeah. everything else. And then the guns pricked the fox on the last drive. And it went to ground. And this dog went to ground. They dug the fox after. And this dog had worked all day. This was a terrier. So it had been retrieving game, swimming retrieving game. And then it worked the fox at the end of the day. I mean, you can't get much more of an all-round well, no. dog than that. And, it, and, it, yeah, and that breaks that stereotypical path of, well, it's what kills things. Just rag it. Yeah, yeah. And with that, I'm, I've always said you cannot be a lurcher for the ultimate field dog. Right, so they can do what gun dogs do. They can sit, wait, retrieve, bring that. But then they can do what gun dogs can't do. They can course. They can ferret. They can jump those long nets and bolt after a rabbit ever coming out. So they can do every sport across the thing. My my whippet cross border collie will not go to water. Right, he walks around puddles when we're on walks. The only time he's a bit of a man, manby pamby. Yeah, the only time he'll ever get wet is if he's coursing. And you saw it the other night when we went out. If he took the, <laughs> took, took the wrong step and he ended up in the dike. That's and, that's, <laughs> an, that's a big understatement. That's a massive understatement. But I'm a firm believer that lurchers and and any type of cross that's designed to run and things and can be trained to do a multitude of tasks, but yet we still get looked upon as, oh, your dogs don't know what they're doing. They can't be doing that. And it it even comes through from lurcher owners as well. I was told that if you get a lurcher, it it can only be a ferreting dog or it can only be a lamping dog. And that bollocks yeah it takes it takes to one more than the other yeah but it will do both if you've got the nous and the experience to go right this is where i'm going wrong on here and this is where i've done this on that and and whatnot i brought him up on on lamping because i didn't want him chasing after a rabbit and then sitting around where he caught it or missed it essentially and hunting up as people call it so I used to do that, and I spent when he caught his first rabbit. I spent twenty five minutes sat in a position, and I was trying to encourage him back. So he knew then that the next point of call was on the lead, and we're going back after another rabbit. Yeah. And I do that now. I can call him back on in the pitch black. He'll sit there. On we go. If he's not swimming for his life in a dike, <laughs> not drowning. <coughs> Bless him. Amongst wet and grass. Um, but yeah, and so then you go from there to I can sit him in a field, 300 metres away, tell him to sit, stay, 
go back to the car, get a brew and walk back. And you'll still be sat there watching that wiring, knowing full well where I am and whatnot. And I've done a couple of videos on my early Instagram that was, and people go, oh, that's really good. I wish my dog could do that. And I did it out in the backfield. All it was, a quick thing, sit, stay, wait. And I pretended, and I'd call it a clover leaf. So I went towards him, came back out, and went back round. And people were like, well, what good's that? Well, if I'm putting up a long net, yeah. I want him to watch a warren, because potentially, like, if you're walking round, they might be undercover and stuff if they're early enough or late enough. Could be out. So I want him sat in a position that's safe for him, put him down, and off I go, put the long net up. Know full well that he's obedient. I've got my back to him. He's just going to sit there. And then if a rabbit came out, he's not sterilised enough to just sit there and watch it go, well, Dad told me to sit, Yeah. <laughs> type of thing. So, he'd, and off he'd go and hopefully grab it, not get wet and come back. One of so. my earliest memories of Balmoral when I used to go up there, right. I went up there when I was 16. I used to go up there when I was younger, when Dad was a kennel boy and whatnot, and then I went back up, just turned 16, properly green and wet behind the ears. Um, and one of the Royals... Went and played golf. Took an Abigail with him. Sit. Putted. Went to the next one. Went to the next one. Went to the next one. Got to the end of the whatever golf course, around golf course here. It's not a clue. It's a way to the good walk, if you ask me. <laughs> um, and it... Re- he realised that Labrador was nowhere to be seen. Still sat on the first hole. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, and that, that always made me smile. Just that... Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 it's, it's good. It's good that that sort of thing can happen. Really, um, we spoke about a while ago about instinct and how <laughs> and how things come into it. Um, and then I've and I've not that the conversation has played in my mind since we've had that conversation. But you know, you sort of mull things over and and things and things brew. And I don't think what you said to me was 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 wrong. But it's interesting to see, you know, you, if you went, to, if you went to a rescue home, if you're lucky enough to go to a rescue home and get a lurcher out of there, how well you can make that run and work, or yeah. ferrets and that sort of thing, you know, if it, yeah. if it didn't modicolled, it still likes to go down holes. Yeah, and that that's part of the. And um, I'm I'm gonna rephrase what I'm about to say because I've had this debate with my wife and my father over and over and over and I've, I'm a firm believer that instinct is a learnt behaviour right and now obviously I'm going to get some flack and people go oh no it's all inbred and that sort of stuff right just hear me out this is it works for me okay the way I understand it and I always the way that my brain started working is I was watching a kestrel hover now nobody teaches that Right. I, I was like, right, how can I, if I've got the ability to do that, and then I'd practice. I've got thumbs, I can play a video game. My dog can't play a video game. Can't do it. So I've got the physical ability to achieve that. Now with experience, it becomes instinctual. So I, there's a small little equation I wrote down. I was like, right, so ability times exposure to task equals instinct. And the way I see that is, I've got the ability to drive. At 16, I didn't know how to drive. Exposure to task, it now becomes instinctual. I can get in any car, put it in gear, and drive. Whereas when I was 16, it was 
kangaroo and I didn't know where the clutch was. I'm constantly having to look down. It's still kangarooing. <laughs> That's because it's low on fuel because <laughs> of the prices. <laughs> but so I, I, I play that into a lot of things. So I want my dog to be good at lamping, good at ferreting and stuff. But with being in the military, he's nine now, he'll be 10 in December. So I've only been out since 2017. So he's had five years of good experience. So at the age of around four, he was he had exposure to it, but it wasn't brilliant. So you'd think maybe if it was Whitehead's dogs in comparisons, it, it'd be like their first year type of thing. So it took him yeah. four years to gain that level of now. But then after five, six, and seven, with my permissions growing, and I was out last season, not this season, uh, I'd say about 15, 20 times, it, I was so happy with his progress. And I was like, right, it's all com- the big combination of it all now. And that was through, he's got the ability. I mean, you couldn't get the same level from my Labrador because he's bulkier. He could never chase the rabbit as quickly as he did. And from a terrier, it wouldn't be able to, like the lab wouldn't be able to clear the long nets and stuff like that. So looking at a dog with that level of experience, the instinctual is to jump the nets, whereas a neighbouring dog would run into the nets. And he ran into the nets a couple of times. And so that's where my thought process to bring anyone, a dog, to a level of instinctual behaviour is it needs the ability with the exposure to task. Here's the spanner. Go on then. Um, flight or fight, right? Right. That's, it. That's in us, right? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter how old you are or what animal you are, yeah. there is a flight or fight, which you haven't learned, that is inside yeah. you. To a degree, you haven't learned it. Maybe you have a little bit. Yeah, you've got a small girl, haven't you? Yeah. Right. So I've got two. I always say I've got one, I've got two. Right, so you've got two then. So they're quite small. They don't have that instinctual behaviour to run away or go, that is fire or is a boiling pot on the thing there. Mummy teaches her to go, right, go away. And she's like, oh, it's hot. I can guarantee you, because I'm very similar to you in certain aspects, there's come a point where you went, oh, mummy was right, it does burn. More months. Right, and I do it now as an adult at times. So it's... It's not flight or fight, it's still understanding an environment, and that's where I, I I'm not saying I'm right, but it, yeah. what I'm saying it has worked for me to get my dogs and me personally to a certain level of skill, instinctual behavior, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and like clay shooting, you never pick up a gun and go, right, yeah, I can master the move, mount, shoot technique or the method and, and, and that sort of stuff. You, you you pick up the gun, you go, right, how does it go bang? Which bit goes Don't bang? Don't me, that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, and, and that sort of stuff. So the fight or fight thing, yeah, it, a lion comes to you and we're designed for shapes, aren't we? Yeah. So if a lion comes to you and it's got a big roar, something inside you goes... That's bad. But like everybody, you've seen those YouTube videos where people are going, 
Oh, I'll get in the lion pen. Why is it eating me? Yeah. So, yeah, and the Darwin Awards, effectively. Yeah. So. Yeah, fair enough. So that's that's the way that's the way I yeah, see it. Yeah. I don't want loads of flack and stuff, but that's it. yeah. Make sure, sure that you eat North <laughs> Grabber on Instagram. He loves a private message. Get him on there. <laughs> um, so the other thing we were talking about was was Kit. So as you know, I'm the biggest Kit whore going. Right. Do you want me to go get my sticks? <laughs> no, 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 no. Mine my, my were a Christmas present, by the way. If not, I'd probably make what you've got. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Have done. <laughs> I wouldn't have done. And to save lives. We all know that. Um, but we, we were going to do, and we must do a video probably this summer on kit and equipment. Although we'll do it early, early spring, early um, autumn, with a bit yeah. of ferreting. All right, doing it. Um, but. I mean, really, what do you need to get going? To ferret? Well, yeah, why not ferret? So basically, the, the na name of the task is ferreting. So uh, the basics, what you need, is a, a ferret or something to put down a hole. I've seen Ed Stafford do it on YouTube with a snake and a rock. <laughs> yeah. So a deadfall trap. So you need something to catch the gopher as the buddy came out. You put deadfall traps above all the holes and put down a cobra down the gopher holes and as the gophers came out they got hit by the deadfall trap and died so effectively what you need is a ferret in the uk to put down the hole and some method to catch them whether it be purse nets long nets dog gun hawk all the above yeah i literally rock up as one i'm going to catch something today um but yeah so you need a ferret Ideally, a well-handled ferret, but even an unhandled ferret will do its job. And all you want it to do is to go through a hole and act as a predator. So what, effectively, what we are doing as a ferreter is using a biocontrol method. So that is a using a natural predator, i.e. ladybug on aphid. So we're taking it to the plant and predating on on said plant or we are using our predator my ferrets my dogs and going out and using that to act as a predator which isn't no longer in that area hawk etc you send your hawks out on the rabbits or on the fields so that is a biocontrol method so it's a natural form of using natural predator on natural animal so dog on rabbit fox on rabbit so if we put foxes into a new area we are actively using a biocontrol method to control rabbits so we're we're doing that so we put the ferret down the hole it does its thing it doesn't necessarily have to catch them down the hole and we dig them out but then it's just forcing them out doing what predators do prey then run away from predators or they get eaten and that's how then their instinctual behavior happens so Next thing, uh, I'm going to get some flack from next door for the next question. He's an electrician, you won't. <laughs> a, bit a bit close to us <laughs> in the next door. Um, why name them? The ferret. So ferret's just a ferret to me. I mean, I probably would name a ferret if I had a ferret. Right. You've got a load of ferrets. I've got six, and I've named them all. Yeah. Why bother? Um, because they're, they're part of my family. I, I, I handle them. They become really well domesticated. Why, Steve? Um, why Steve, darling? He says, why, <laughs> why not? not? So, <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so the first three, oh, there's not 
pictures of them in here. There's one in the living room of Meredith. Meredith. So we were just Grey's Anatomy's fans at one point. Yeah, and obviously. So we were like, oh, we've got three. One of them, Christina, obviously, but her nickname at the time was called Coffee. So we'd have our amount. They were, we were in a little um, indoor guinea pig hutch when we first bought them because of a tiny who couldn't go outside. And um, we took them out, handled them, and regardless of how long they were playing with them in the living room and stuff, the minute the polecat went on the coffee table, that was it. she'd shimmy her backside to one corner and poop. Right. And it, I was like, oh, right, you're going to be named Coffee from now on. Yeah. And no word of a lie, she'd been out an hour or five minutes, popped her on the coffee table and get up, get a beer or something, and she'd plop, plop straight onto the floor. Not even on the coffee table. Yeah, it was first right yeah. So, but yeah, for me, it, you bond with the animal, you take care of it, you, it, you've invested in it. So if it does go down a hole, yeah. you don't go, oh, sorry, it's a ten a penny and off they go. To me, it's part of my household. I will spend two hours digging. And Bradley... My first big hob I had was a. You've met my dad's terrier. Yeah. There's a picture of her at a year old, smaller, half the size of the hob. <laughs> really? You no, know, it's like this. And the <laughs> dog's like that. No, oh, don't put me with the bird, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't but, put me with the bird. Yeah, I was there about 45 minutes on this warren. I was like, right, I'm going to have to dig down. I spent an hour digging. The hole was six foot wide by six foot wide by six foot deep. Probe down. I was like, right. Here we go. Just about to break through. It must have been about four inches before I broke through. Stretch your back. You know, like, right, last push, and then I've got to get all this. Oh, ferret's there. Right, I'm getting you in the box. I'm going home. Yeah. After another 45 minutes of filling this hole in. And that's, for me, that, I was like, right, well, I wasn't leaving without him. And, yeah, so that's, for me, that's why I named them. Uh, you bond with them slightly better. I think it's just good practice, because then you're not... I mean, there's a lot of roads around here at the moment that are quite busy, and I've seen six since Christmas on the dead at the side of the road. Yeah, so actually, people have I've seen two. been ferreting and gone, right, yeah, it's been ten minutes, I'm off. I haven't put a locator on him or anything like that. So, again, if you put the locator on them, that's a £95 ferret straight off the bat. More than that now, because they don't make them anymore. Well, yeah, no. That's um, why we dug that locator out when we went yeah. last. <laughs> um, I remember a guy getting a warrener's job up north somewhere. I don't know where. It was on a, it was on a grouse moor. Right. And they had a lot of trouble with everything. But one of the trouble they had was there was a big rabbit problem. But what they had more than anything else was a big ferret problem. Not a polecat problem. Right. A ferret problem. Where people had gone to rabbit the ferrets. Ah, left them. Lost the ferrets and left them. And there was more wild ferrets than there was anything else. And they had to the just, yeah, sort all them out before they could do anything else. It was, they were taking grouse chicks. It was just doing, it, it was doing everything. It was, Crikey. Yeah, real, a real weird, weird but again, scenario. Again, that could be people breeding them and going, oh, I've got nowhere to get rid of them because everybody's doing the same thing. Last year. And then going, oh, sorry, they can go in the wild, there's plenty of rabbits here. Last year, pre-loved, ferret, um, kits, right. £100. Pre-loved? Yeah. What does that mean? It's a website. Oh, yeah. right, yeah, yeah, right, I get you now, sorry. Um, £100. Oh, crikey. Uh, who, who on earth would want to spend £100 in a pocket? Oh, I just can't go ferret. One of Steve yeah. cost me £95. What? Yeah. Just because I was told 
he was vasectomised. Well, he... So I've got four gills, and a, and a friend gave me a, another ferret. Is he vasectomised? No. <laughs> so when I, my ferrets got out, um, out of the outdoor enclosure, they dug a foot down and two foot out, and they dug out the enclosure. It's all concreted now, so they're not going anywhere, hopefully. Yeah, good luck, good luck. So I got all them back, and they were quite heavily in season, so I booked in with a vet, took them down, right, Hobbs aren't doing the thing, can we get them dual jabbed? Brilliant. Uh, talking to the vet, and he's a family friend of my mother-in-law. Um, they've known him quite a while and stuff, and he was like, right, bring your ferret down, we'll double-check him. Took him down, went, there's Steve, played around with him, handed him back, he's got no balls. I was like, so he's not vasectomised then. So I was not lied to, but I was misinformed, yeah. and obviously the person I got him from was also misinformed. Um, but hey ho, he's a lovely ferret. Um, I'm not, I'm not worried that I've spent that much because he's gonna die in my care in the next, hopefully, touchwood six or seven years. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, he's a, yeah, I've paid quite a lot for a ferret, uh, but then I've been gifted ferrets and the same, uh, and they're just as good. Yeah. Some of them are a little bit more skitty than the others. Um. I was going to say, so you've also been ferreting for a while, you've been shooting for a while as well, but you've really got into the deer stalk in the last yeah, yeah. Uh, year, I suppose, really, just over. Yeah, I mean, it took me a long time to get my firearms licence back. Um, it, I surrendered it back to them in 2015, um, when I was going through therapy with my PTSD um, from Afghan and Iraq. Um, but then it, uh, that was in turn with getting my life sorted first, then getting the where I want to be with my hunting, and then adding to my repertoire and stuff. And a lot of that was building up, like I've said before earlier today, was a part of that was the permission. I haven't settled in an area. I've been here now three years tomorrow, it'll be. Three years tomorrow we would have been in this house and this whole area where I now live feels more of a community than Beckles ever did. Um, but I've, I've got, we've got a horse field a mile and a half away and stuff. So a lot of my deer stalking is being through my business, getting the land, getting the permissions, getting my rifle or getting my firearms license back, going through a rigor and that. I mean, being in Norfolk, every man and his mother's got a gun, yeah. just like hot fuzz. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the application form took me nine months. A friend of mine in Hampshire applied two months after mine and he shot his first roebuck, roebuck, row, um, in the January, so obviously it wasn't a buck, um, three months before my firearms even came through. Yeah. So it took him two months, he got his guns and everything and been out on the permission and, and got his first deer before I'd even got my paperwork, I was like, I was really worried that it was going to come through, um, but yeah, the, the firearms guy come through and said, "Yeah, you, you seem fine." You've, you've, and that's part of it was getting all the qualifications as well. So yeah. I've got my DS, uh, my deer management level one, I'm a clay target instructor. I've got various other quals and stuff, and and then trying to not throw away the lurcher stigma. But when you approach somebody, you go, can I do some? 
I found the phrasing as well, can I do some pest control, yeah. usually helps, or some rabbit management rather than, can I run my dogs on your fields, please? Type of thing really works, a, a really better way of putting it and stuff. So Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, what's on the list to do? To do? Yeah, what's on the bucket list? <sighs> Christ. Um, I've got, uh, I shot my first roebuck the other day, so that's in the garden... Uh, waiting to be done uh, it's been buried the head it's just an easier way of doing it with less management um, so I've got the different species of deer to shoot so I've got red both red male and female seeker male and female and a month jack female that's pretty much the stalking side of it but I've, I've, I just want to get some more permission and, and get out and, and do it I mean I'm I want to make at least 20 more nets this year. Um, uh, purse nets? Or yeah, purse nets. Purse I tried making a long net. Um, it just gets wobbly after about five yards for me. So <laughs> gate nets it is for now. Yeah. So I get better. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't really have anything on my bucket list. Uh, I've found with a lot of stuff I do, it's usually better just to let it grow organically rather than yeah. go, I want to do that. And just have an idea of like, yeah, I want to get a bit more permission. I want to do this. I want to do a lot more ferreting next year. But again, uh, because I've been doing it five, six years on some of the permissions, they're drying up a little bit. So you've got to kind of have that balance got, with the land. I've got a hell of a place to go this year if it stays clear. Because it was, it was bad before and they've ripped all the brambles out. So they keep the brambles got back. Oh, okay. Without a hell of a sport. Yeah, that'd be really good. I've got to dig them because they are deep. That's fine. No. You're a fit lad. <laughs> I've got a garden. Oh back no, I've, I've just got somewhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, but mate. yeah, my bucket list is um, ever changing. So if there's people out there, I mean, yeah. people tend to give me. I've got some. I picked up some rabbit shooting the other day from a lady that I went and saw three years ago before COVID, and she messaged me saying, "Oh, the uh, rabbits are still bad." I was like, "Crikey, that was three years ago." Not using that night sight, are you? No, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> I know the problem what was the night side. The man I'm, behind it. Yeah, operator error. Yeah. But during that, I put it on wrong and I didn't tighten the thing. So every time I went down, the camera did that. And that's why I went foggy. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a toy that I'm growing with. I'm I mean, not good with my night sight. Guys. You're not good with most of your electronics either. No, though, so. that's because I don't play enough with it, unfortunately. <laughs> Too many bloody hobbies. Um, but no, mate, it's been fantastic chat to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, brilliant. And uh, yeah, so catch if you want catch Zoltan. Like I said, Norfolk Rabber on Instagram and Facebook and Facebook. Or if you like your survival stuff, does the bracelets as well, which is UK survival bracelets. UK survival bracelets. I knew it was something like that. Um, he loves a private message. Aggravating about what he said about upsetting everyone or the gun dog world. <laughs> um, and yeah till next time catch you later you've been listening to the Outdoor Man Podcast we're glad you're here we'd love to connect with you on social media find us on Twitter at Podcast Outdoor on Instagram Outdoor underscore man underscore podcast on Facebook Outdoor Man Podcast and you can even reach us by email dan at outdoorman.uk let us know your outdoor questions and be sure to tag us when you're outside living your best life. Until next time, be the example. <laughs>